and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 154, and with me, as always, my two conspirators. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Pillman. Moon landing never happened. And, also, <laughs> and I'm also, I'm CJ Schrader. I didn't, I didn't do that part. Whatever. Who cares about that? What? Episode number is what people care about. Right. So, on this episode, the... Uh, We're talking about Area 51 and aliens. I would. I did, like, two reports on them in, like, middle school. Yeah? Yeah. They don't keep the aliens at Area 51. That's a, that's, you know, that's fake. They keep them in Area SS4. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know this. Yeah, you get, to, you get the tourists to go to 51, but that's not where you really keep them. Oh. Yeah. And where, where's it, what's this other one called? Area S-4. Area S-4. If I Google yeah, there, it. There was a video game of that name. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, that must. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yep. I would just. Can we just talk about DB Cooper? That would be better. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna talk about conspiracies. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about conspiracy. The set. Uh, Steel doesn't melt at that temperature. <laughs> okay. All right. Conspiracy. The set. Uh, this is the sequel to the original conspiracy set, and it's a uh, summer product, right? So how these things are usually described? I mean, it's summer, and it is a product. Yeah, I, I think they call yeah. it the summer set. All right, like uh, it's just something they should have an event in Somerset for it. Oh, <laughs> it's 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 a poor sweet summer child. So for people who've never experienced conspiracy, let me go a little bit into what it is as a set. Uh, it's built specifically with draft and multiplayer in mind. And that will become abundantly clear uh, when we get into the actual cards. Um, ideally, you play it in an eight-player draft, and then you play two four-player multiplayer games. You don't uh, have to. Yeah, with, it's a multiplayer with the, the free-for-all attacking, yes. right? Yep. Um, it's also worth mentioning that all of the cards in Conspiracy are legal in Eternal Formats and Commander, except for the cards that have the type of Conspiracy. And if you don't know what that is... We'll talk about them pretty soon, but I think I think people don't know that sometimes. So I agree are, with that statement. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't play most of these in Legacy, but they are legal. Ooh, yeah. I I, I mean, there's always weird stuff that comes up in these sets. It's legal in, in, in Legacy, but nobody ever plays it. What, one of these days, I just want to build the most obnoxious deck I can, <laughs> go to an open. And just have my opponents ask tons of questions when I do weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'll be at the bottom tables, but I'll be having a good time. <laughs> and no one else will. But that they're not important. Yeah. So, Jess, give us a little bit of a refresher on this on these multiplayer rules with the free-for-all and the Jello pudding pops and the Pac-Man video games. What? What? Oh. What, are the, what, what were the, the, the like... Kool-Aid twist thing? I don't Anyway. Um, Gushers? No. You know what I'm talking about? Like the squeeze-its. Squeeze-its. Squeeze-its, squeeze yeah. Oh, man, I miss squeeze-its. I think you can... Ah, oh, I, think they, I don't think they exist anymore. Hmm. Uh, if they do, somebody will tell me, I hope. Somebody uh, send us a regular mail with squeeze-its <laughs> in it. <laughs> that would actually be really, really cool. Uh, so, uh, multiplayer. And this is free-for-all multiplayer. This is not... Two-headed giant, or, or any of the things we normally talk about. This is uh, just regular old multiplayer. 
so in this case, you're going to have four players usually, and each of those players gets a free mulligan uh, back to seven cards. So uh, if I look at my seven card hand and I don't like it, I can throw it back once and get seven again. And then if I don't like it again, I throw it back and I get six. Uh, if I keep the second hand that still has seven cards, I do not get to look at the top card of my library uh, after I keep that hand because I still have seven cards. You you can only look at the top if you have less than your starting hand size. Um, let's see. Oh, the player who goes first does not skip their draw step because this that disadvantage is way too great in a game with more than two players. Uh, during combat... You can attack any opponent or their planeswalkers, and you can divide your attacks between multiple opponents and planeswalkers. So uh, if you have three opponents and each of those opponents has one planeswalker and you have six creatures, all of them can be attacking something different. Um, that's specifically in this format. You're going to see other variants of multiplayer where you can only attack uh, one direction or only attack the people near you. But in this case, it's free for all. You can attack everybody. Uh, if a player dies during the game in a multiplayer game, anything they have on the stack, uh, that includes triggered abilities, and any permanents they own are removed from the game. Dun, dun, dun. Um, dun, dun, dun. Uh, I don't think we have anything that creates awkwardness in this set, although somebody correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but stuff like Oblivion Ring. Um, anything with like a Leaves Play trigger, yeah. Uh, if it leaves play because somebody loses, that ability does not go on the stack. Yeah. Um, because that player is not there to put the ability on the stack. Yeah. I also want to add before we get into the mechanics that we're only going to be talking about the new cards. Uh, Conspiracy 2, I think, is about 80 new cards and then some number of, of reprints. Yeah, we're not talking about all the new cards. Yeah. No, we're not talking about all the new cards either, but... Uh, we're not going to touch on any of the reprints. A lot of them, well, I'm sorry, that's not true. We're going to talk on one reprint, but these cards have been around a long time. Uh, you can generally, you know, if you have a question about one of the reprints, you can generally just Google which, and which find re- it. Which reprint are we talking about? Do tell. Maybe you can show us later. Maybe. Uh, maybe later. Maybe later. Show us in the release notes, please. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Brian. This I one describes it. you. I love this. The Monarch. Okay, so we're going to talk about a new mechanic. Um, so m- multiplayer is my jam. Like, that's that's actually the format that I love. Not not EDH, but just good old-fashioned 60-card, four or five-player mass chaos. Bring it. So I'm actually really, really excited about this mechanic, uh, uh, Monarch. And mainly because... Uh, there's there's a so it's a new ability um it's basically something that a player can be now uh a the a monarch is a designation that a player can have you can be the monarch um and so the the rules for this are in seven uh the 700 uh the 700s which is not the multiplayer rules section so you can be the monarch in single player games or in in one v one games, okay. So Isn't that of, weird? <laughs> we don't have a good word, like because we call this multiplayer, but that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so it's yeah, multiplayer. Isn't one on one multiplayer? There's two players. Yeah, yeah, that's multi. Um, so so here's here's what basically the monarch. Is, no one starts the game as as the monarch. Um, and then there are certain cards that will 
make you the monarch when they enter the battlefield. Um, so, so again, no one starts off the game as monarch. You play a particular card and you go, I'm the monarch. You take the crown. You drove to Burger King before the event. You got the little paper crown and you get, when you play this card, you get to pull the Burger King crown out, put it on your head and you <laughs> are now the Burger King, the Burger de- monarch. De- definite bonus points to any store that has Burger King crowns laying around yes. at this, at this uh, release event. Absolutely. And the Monarch has a little token that exists, so you could just kind of glue that on the front. It does. And even yeah. better if – so so people can – can now let's, let's talk about what being the Monarch actually gets you other than just the cool Burger King crown. Well – Okay. So, so being the Monarch, there's two things that are associated with being the Monarch. Uh, first, it's good – as Mel Brooks said, it's good to be the king. Um, now when you are the monarch, uh, so at the beginning of each monarch's instep, okay, that player draws a card. Okay. So, um, now, or sorry, not what I said at the beginning of, of each, uh, each monarch's instep. It's really just at the beginning of the monarch's instep because you can't have more than one monarch. Okay. So at the beginning, at the beginning of the monarch's instep, that player draws a card. Great. So it's good to be the king. Um, now, obviously in conspiracy, they want the flavor to be, you know, uh, I think they, they did that, uh, the, that promo where they were like killing the king left and right. And then he was back and then they killed him again. Who's the king or who's the, who's the monarch. So flavor wise, they did this by, uh, whenever a creature deals combat damage to the monarch it's control in a combat damage. It's controller becomes the monarch. So if you bloody the monarch, you become the monarch. Uh, you know, the king is dead. Long live, or the, you know, the queen is dead. Long live the queen. Um, so some neat stuff about this. Uh, these triggered abilities, uh, they're controlled by the person who was monarch at the time, but they don't have a source. I don't necessarily think, that's going to be relevant, but I'm sure there's people in like weird rules templating forums that are going to try and make that relevant somehow. So, yeah. so, so what you're saying is that at the beginning of the Monarch Sense step, that player draws a card does not have a controller. It has a controller, no, it has a controller. but it, ha- it has a controller, but it doesn't have a source. Okay. okay, okay. So the controller is the Monarch, right? The controller is the Monarch. The okay. source is just the universe. Yeah. Okay. And not only is the controller the Monarch, the controller is the Monarch on whose instep it triggered, just to be clear. Uh, at the beginning of the monarch, yeah, that player draws a card. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, so it's it's your, if you are the monarch, on your instep, the trigger happens. Now, it doesn't actually check to see, that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, there's not an intervening if clause Yeah, because it's combat damage, so you can't really do combat damage You can if you find a way to flash in a, a creature that makes you become the monarch. Yeah, it can happen. Damage. Look and at and us. the point here is the original monarch draws the card yes, whoever the was the monarch when that trigger yes. went on the stack and you're still going to be the monarch because you can't deal combat damage during the end step all right so no, no, no but like yeah never mind i'll get into yeah, it yeah. <laughs> <You're> going deep <laughs> um so again there can only be one monarch at the time um so uh so there's there's in a game there's exactly there's either zero or one monarchs uh, so zero when the game starts, somebody becomes a monarch by playing one of these cards. And then after that, it starts, you know, being pat, the Burger King starts getting crown, starts getting passed around. Um, 
Now this is this is kind of weird. Um, if the monarch leaves the game, so if you kill if you kill the monarch, or, or if they just if anybody, quit, or if they just quit, they're like ah. I'm taking my my Burger King crown and going home. Uh, the active the active player becomes the monarch. If the uh, yeah if the uh, so the active player becomes the monarch. Um, if so, this is actually kind of a, a, kind of one of these relevant things. Sometimes in multiplayer games, you might have somebody that's like tries to quit to dodge uh, getting damage or anything like that. You know, like I swing in with my my ten ten life linker, and you're just like, ah, I quit. You don't gain the life. Um, this doesn't work. Like I'm gonna swing in, and I'm gonna become monarch. You go, nope, I quit. You don't get to become monarch because you don't deal combat damage to me. Nope, active player gets monarch. Um, uh, if the if the leaving monarch is the active player, the next player in turn order becomes monarch. So, you know, they they just leave the game. They drop the crown. Pick up the crown, you put it on, declare the the uh, reign of Bra- uh, Drago, Scourge of Carpathia. It's Ghostbusters 2? No? I got it. No? Okay. Um, got it, stabbed, hanged, yeah. poisoned. Oh, look at you! He was... That's yeah, all that. Yeah, that's four of them. So, There's more. The, I can't so, remember them all. The sorrow of Moldavia. <laughs> all right. Um, so that is. Um, I mean, his name is Vigo, you know. Vigo. Uh, now, one more, one more thing. Uh, so a lot of the cards that they talk about talk about when they enter the battlefield, you become the monarch. Okay, if you're already the monarch. You're not becoming the monarch. You're already a monarch. So, uh, any, any snazzy anythings like, uh, like Custody Lich says, when Custody Lich enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. And then has a trigger to, another triggered ability that says, whenever you become the monarch, target player sacrifices a creature. If you are the monarch and you play Custody Lich, you didn't become the monarch. You're already the monarch. Hey, man. Hey. Hey. You can't be the monarch double twice. Twice can't double crown. Right, double crown. No. Yeah. So I like this mechanic a lot because it feels like it feels like a variant of magic that they put in as actual rules. Yeah, like a tug of, tug of war type. Yeah. I like it. I really, really uh, like. This. And I and I do love the idea that you could, if you wanted to, you could have a game of legacy where suddenly being the monarch matters. I know that actually that actually is probably the coolest aspect of this is you can I, I just there. yeah it's like in every game I play from now on there's just that there's that chance At some point I feel in time that maybe someone could become a monarch I don't know you're sitting there playing across the table from somebody somebody plays a card and they reach over in their bag and they pull out the Burger King crown and they yep. set it on their head and you're like oh this this is gonna so, be fun I, I would like to point something out if. Somebody decides they want to go to an open or a grand prix that's legacy and and becomes the monarch, uh, and then their opponent becomes the monarch by punching them with a creature. Yep. Um, that uh, clarify, this... that's with a creature. Just, <laughs> you just... yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I put you and take your crown. I'm gonna take your crown. Um, but uh, that you know that's. The drawing a card at the end of the turn is a triggered ability that you don't have to remind them of if they don't know what the monarch is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Good enough. Right. It's cool. not your triggered ability. It has. It. Right. It's the monarch's triggered ability. It's the monarch's triggered ability. 
Wow. Can you imagine? Just think about this. Like five years from now, we might be at a legacy open and someone's like, Judge, what's Monarch? <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. And, and, uh, <laughs> you're going to have cranky old B five years from now. You're like, oh, when I was a kid, <laughs> back was when a we kid. had conspiracy, multiplayer was my jam. Multiplayer is still my jam in five years from now. Dog. All right. <laughs> Stop goading, Brian. No, no one likes that. No. Goad is an, it's a weird word. So goad is also a new mechanic. Um, so goad is something you do to a creature. So an example here is coveted peacock. It says whenever coveted peacock attacks, you may goad target creature defending player controls. So what does goad mean? It means that until your next turn, that creature must attack each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. Uh, one quick note here is it says that it has to attack a player other than you if able. So obviously they can't attack you. Less obviously, they also can't attack any planeswalkers because they have to attack a player. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a little subtle there, but that that is there. So hold on. in a, in a two-player game, so if we're playing two-player, that creature can't attack me? Hey, hold on. Bro. What? Let's just, oh, sorry. Let's just chill out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I jumped ahead. Nobody's playing these in a two-player game. All right, so <laughs> um, this is going to follow all the rules of attacking, uh, which you can learn more about in our combat episode, which is called a very spooky combat phase. <laughs> Something like that. It's a very spooky at the beginning. I remember that. Um, but... If for some reason this creature can't attack any not-you players, then it still must attack. There still is the rule that says it has to attack. And at that point, it has to attack uh, a Planeswalker, an opponent controls, or you. And they can do either option there. Uh, because at, at this point, the the uh, requirement of attacks a player other than you is not possible. So now they have to either attack um, a Planeswalker or you. Uh, and this is also true in a two-player game, or Brian, uh, like we just talked about. So if you're in a two-player game, or maybe both of your opponents are are dead at this point, and you two are fighting for the crown, um, and you goad their creature, then it can still basically attack you like normal, because there are no other players to attack. And then if a creature gets goaded by multiple opponents, so say two opponents goaded it, it has to attack a player that didn't goad it. So if two players goad it, then that creature has to attack uh, presumably the third player remaining. And then if all opponents goaded it, it still has to attack, but you're going to get to choose which opponent. Or Planeswalker. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get. I guess in multiplayer, this is this is kind of cool because you can you can make make that big creature attack. Uh, uh, somebody else, uh, and, or, or make them, you know, make them open themselves up. Like if they have a big, big scary dude that's preventing, uh, preventing people from getting in, you just go to send it at one of your, your opponents and then you can get in there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's not super useful in, in two player, but in multiplayer, it can be, it's, it's one of those real high political cards. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this mechanic is a little more complex than it seems like and maybe even needs to be. 
don't know. I think they're hitting. They're going for the flavor of those auras in the original conspiracy that said the creature can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. Right. But, but then it gets some bonus. All right, Jess. I'm glad I gave you this one because I am notorious for pronouncing this word wrong. I I don't know how to. Is it is it melee? I think it's melee. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so melee. <laughs> I is don't mechanic. know. Melee is a mechanic uh, in the new set that it's relatively straightforward. So whenever this creature attacks, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each opponent you attacked with a creature this combat. So um, if you attack with just this creature uh, and you are attacking a player, then it will get a, a plus one, plus one bonus. If you are attacking a planeswalker and ju- attacking with just this creature, it will not get... The plus one plus one bonus because a planeswalker is not an opponent. Well, I don't know. It says whenever this creature attacks. Right, you get you get oh. plus one plus one for each for each opponent each, you attack. Each opponent yeah, yeah. you attack. Sorry, sorry, you're correct. Yeah. So okay, so um, if you're attacking with multiple creatures, then basically what we do is uh, just count up the number of opponents that you're attacking and, and give it that many plus one plus one buffs. Um. So this is encouraging you to attack multiple opponents. Uh, That's just to encourage the um, just to encourage the the fun of conspiracy. Um, And it it has a really weird interaction in two headed giant. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. I actually left it out of the notes. But if you you want to go for it, go for it. Okay, well, I might get it wrong. But um, let's see. Which opponent you attack? I'm pretty sure that when you attack, if you have a single creature that has uh, that has melee and it and you attack into HG with it, then you are attacking two opponents and it gets it gets yep. plus two plus two. That's right. Yep. So okay, I'm not crazy there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it gets plus two plus two. Now, if you're playing 2HG Conspiracy, uh, that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> if you are, Conspiracy. then I guess Goad doesn't work well in that one either. <laughs> no, that's that's really the same doesn't. as one versus one. Um, so, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you could do like eight-player 2HG, right? With and yet, oh. um, <laughs> and still, though, only one player would be the Monarch. Right, still. Yes, it's still only one player could yeah. be a monarch at the time. Yeah, so um, only one player is going to draw another card. Eight player two HG. That game will still be going on by the time Conspiracy Three comes out. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, uh, if you're attacking a planeswalker, it's not counted up for uh, melee. Um, if you're attacking a planeswalker and that planeswalker's controller, you're only attacking uh, one player, so it's just plus one plus one. Um, and if something enters the battlefield attacking, because an effect said put this onto the battlefield, tapped it attacking, for example, uh, it doesn't count as something that has attacked. So uh, even if it were to happen before this trigger resolves, it doesn't add to the bonus for melee. All right. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, uh, the next ability is Council's Dilemma. Uh, so this is a another voting uh, mechanic uh, that they had a uh, uh, similar to, similar to what they had uh, last set, which was uh, Will of the Council. Uh, but Will of the Council cards 
when you did a vote, it was an either or, like you tallied that you everyone voted for A or B, and whichever had the most votes, uh, you did. In Council's Dilemma, you actually do A and B. So um, let's uh, let's give an example uh, so you can see what it means. So there's a card called uh, Orchard, El- Orchard Elements. Uh, it's a it's five in the green for a two two. Are you laughing at me? Yeah. Because orchard. Orchard. Is it is it orchard? No, it's orchard. I just Wait, what is it? I don't know. It's not it's orchard. orchard. But he started saying orchard. I started saying orchard. So it's, it, it is it is henceforth known as the orchard elemental. The orchard. Wow. Well, look, God, it I'm starts with it's orc hard elemental. Okay. Nobody orcs as hard as you do. <laughs> Nobody orcs as hard. It's. Oh, that's that's Orc a whole hard, different game. Orc hard. hard is a whole different game. Um, Orc hard elemental. <laughs> Orc hard play hard. Um, all right. Um, so it's a it's a two two for six mana. So that's awful. But <laughs> um, oh, I love all the six mana two twos. Yeah. So so it says uh, it says fails of vanilla ten. Uh, Council's <laughs> dilemma. Uh, it's so it's an ability word. Council's dilemma doesn't mean anything by itself, but it just serves to link things together. So when orc, um, I almost did it again. Orchard elemental enters the battlefield, starting with you. Each player votes for sprout or harvest. Okay, put two plus one plus one counters on orchard elemental for each sprout vote, and you gain three life for each harvest vote. So you're gonna. So when this ability, so. On this particular card, this ability is going to go and resolve, and when it goes to resolve, that's when you start voting. You don't vote before it resolves, and once you start voting, um, you don't get to do anything in the middle. Um, so now this is a particular case. All votes matter. Um, so you're going to go around if there's a, a four people at the table, then there's going to be four votes. So this effect one of these two things you're going to you're going to it's going to get to happen four total times now there's some other cards in the set that say you get to vote an additional time or you get to control how people vote um the way those interact here is it's just counting these cards just count the total number of votes so if you play that blue instant that lets you vote an extra time and you're playing in a four player game there's going to be a total of five votes and I'll, uh, you don't have to vote the same way you can you can vote for sprout and harvest then so, uh just so we don't get angry emails there's a it's a white creature that lets you vote an additional turn time oh. it's a blue instant that lets you decide what all the votes will be oh okay yeah sorry i switched we're not that. talking about either of those cards well i'm just, I'm except in, just now except just now right so yeah. sorry i thought i thought oh is it the blue instant that lets you decide how everyone votes yeah they let you decide how everyone votes uh, the illusion of choice is okay yes i'm misre- i'm misremembered but yes but that's that's basically the the white card then that lets you get an additional vote uh it would just be you would i you would vote for sprout 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 harvest or harvest harvest or harvest sprout you get to make your own little truth table hmm. the vast majority of the time uh, I imagine you're just going to get lots of plus one, plus one counters on this because somebody's going to have removal. You see, I was going to say, I was just about to say the exact opposite. Just let them have the life because in a multiplayer game, the person with the highest life total is the one getting attacked. Sure. I guess it, so I like, I guess them... it depends how much people are communicating because if somebody goes, I'm going to cast Orchard Elemental and somebody else is like, oh, I'm going to kill it. Everybody should just let it get counters. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think a lot of people are going to give it counters. But I also see your point about life being less relevant. So you just, like, let them have it. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably going to cast it and vote for Sprout, and then everyone else is going to vote for Harvest, because they don't want you to have a 6-6 six, six or an 8-8. Eight, eight. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think I think you're getting a 6-mana 4-4. Four, four. That's my opinion. I guess we'll see. Uh, so, Brian, uh, you, you talked about how in what order people vote? Oh, yeah, so what's going to happen is it goes in turn order, so it's the card says starting with you, and you're going to go in a circle uh, in turn order around, and everyone's going to take their votes, and then you're going to resolve the abilities in turn order also. So, uh, sorry, not in turn order, in the order that they're written on the card. So in this particular card, it says put two plus one plus one counters on Orchard, uh, Orchard Elemental for each Sprout vote gain three life for each harvest vote, you're going to put the counters on first, and then you're going to gain the three life, in the case that that matters. Yeah. Okay. I am I am racking my brain trying to figure out if there's a way that matters, and I, I can't find one. It's pro- probably not with Orchard Elemental, but probably I mean, some of the other cards. Yeah, the main thing is is you, you get to know what the player before you voted, which I think it mattered more in the other cards, where the final vote actually may have decided what the card did. Right, but you know. Right. Well, it also okay. it also prevents. This is kind of cool because it prevents uh, some places from being like Hawaii, uh, where you know you're sitting at a, at a four player table and then three people vote for X. Your vote, if you want to vote for Y, it doesn't matter. Uh, in the in the old conspiracy, but in this set, yeah. every vote counts. Yay! Thanks. You know what's what's really job, fun Hawaii. about one of the fun things about conspiracy is that. You think voting is a quick process, but it's not, because everybody will try to convince the other people of which direction to vote. I love that. Every time. It's yeah. a very political thing. It's a great mechanic. All right. So, just three life. Who cares? So, <laughs> so earlier I mentioned that uh, this set was made with drafting in mind, and around that we have a bunch of draft-altering cards. So I'm just going to kind of give a high-level overview of the draft-altering card, and we're going to talk about a few more specifically later. Um, but the one I'm talking about here is Leovold's Operative. And it says, draft Leovold's Operative face up. What? It says, as you draft a card, you may draft an additional card from that booster pack. If you do, turn Leovold's Operative face down, then pass the next booster pack without drafting a card from it. You may look at the booster pack. So there's there's quite a few cards like this, uh, and they can get confusing. I'm not gonna lie, they can get confusing. Um, so I say read them a couple times before you do anything crazy. But like this one lets you take an additional card out of the pack you are currently drafting from, and the cost of that is that you don't get to take a pack take a card out of the next pack. Um, most of these cards, they'll have you reveal them as you draft them, and then they'll have some effect. So some of them, you know, you reveal them and the effect happens now. Some of them is you reveal them and then you can turn them back face down for some kind of effect. You just got to read each card. Um, and then because of these cards, it is heavily recommended that you do zone drafting when you are drafting Conspiracy. And so zone drafting means uh, I take a pack, <clears throat> I take a pick out of my pack, I set the pack down to my left, and then I don't place any more cards left or right, depending on which way you're passing. I don't place anything down there until that player has picked up that pack. So no more than one pack is next to me. So we don't have cards piling up or anything. Uh, if you don't do it that way, you're going to get really weird situations in Conspiracy. So please do it. 
Hey, speaking of conspiracies. Now we get to <laughs> now we get to the the uh, namesake card of the conspiracy set, um, the return of conspiracies, which is shocking given that the name of the set is conspiracy and we had conspiracies in the last conspiracy set. Um, it's really not shocking at all, uh, but that's okay. We we what's shocking to me is that conspire has yet again failed to make it into the set as a mechanic. Uh, but, uh, that I, I will forgive them because conspiracies are still a thing. So, uh, conspiracies are a weird, weird card, uh, because conspiracies are a card that you draft, uh, but they do something outside of the game. So conspiracies, uh, when you start the game, if you want to play with a conspiracy, it lives in the command zone at the beginning of the game. And they don't go into your deck, so they don't count as part of your deck size. Um, and this can get a little interesting. Uh, for example, there is a conspiracy that that says that you don't play with lands, and instead you can play lands from outside the game. But that means that you have to have 40 cards that are not land from the draft. And one of your 42 cards is already not a conspiracy. Basics, right. Uh, not basically, yeah. And one of your 42 cards that you have drafted is not a, is already a conspiracy. So if you get two more conspiracies, you can't legally play that card. Um, so anyway, uh, I think we're going to get to that card later, but um, conspiracies are, are really fun. They, they, they don't go in your deck. They do something when the game starts, uh, or they create some kind of weird rule when the game starts, and they're all illegal in any sanctioned format that is not a conspiracy draft. And... Uh, some of them have an ability called Hidden Agenda. Dun, dun, dun. Um, hidden Agendas start the game face down instead of face up, so nobody knows what they are except for you. And you secretly choose a card as the game starts, so you just write the card name down on a scrap of paper and keep it under the Hidden Agenda. Uh, I suppose you could secretly do it publicly and just announce it to everybody, but that's that ruins the Mostly you just stick it in the sleeve, though, right? Or use a sticky note. Yeah, yeah. You you uh, you write it down and you like put it in the sleeve usually, uh, or or something along those lines. Or or if you you know if you really want to have some fun, you do it in Sharpie. Yes. <laughs> Real men do their hidden agendas in Sharpie. That's <laughs> clearly where we're going with that. Um. So, uh, and when the game is over, you have to reveal any face down hidden agendas you still have just like revealing face-down uh, creatures when, when the game ends. Uh, or face-down permanents, I should say. Um, if a hidden agenda has a triggered ability, which some of them do, uh, you do, don't forget to turn it face-up before taking the action that would cause the ability to trigger. So um, with hidden agendas, the thing is, and I don't think I mentioned this, you get to choose uh, when to turn the, the hidden agenda conspiracy face-up. Uh, so... Usually it has some kind of condition that involves the chosen card, and you could just kind of as a, uh, at any time just go, and I'm turning this face up, and ta-da, here it is. Um, so, for example, the card Hired Heist has hidden agenda, so you choose a card name at the beginning of the game secretly and put it face down with Hired Heist, and you can turn it up at any time. And what it says is, whenever a creature you control with the chosen name deals combat damage to a player, you may pay blue. If you do, draw a card. So if you, if they go, all right, uh, you know, I've declared my blockers, all right, I want to move to damage, and you go, I'm going to turn this hired heist over, 
you're fine, but if you've already dealt the damage, that can get awkward because, well, you've already dealt it before you revealed the thing and there was no triggered ability to trigger. Yeah, there's one where that triggers on casting of some specific creature, or maybe it's instant or source, I don't remember, but, uh, you know, th- I feel like that's one someone could screw up, right, where they... Like cast a spell, and oh yeah, I have this hidden agenda. But you I think to... most of the time players are going to let it. Like this is a very casual format. Yeah, it is. People are going to let you get away with that stuff, and if you don't, don't don't be a jerk. Just just don't be a jerk. Um, is there anything we want to talk about uh, that we haven't mentioned already about conspiracies before we move on? Nope. All right. Uh, so now we're getting into the actual cards. So let's uh, uh, the actual card by card instead of just talking about mechanics. So, so the first card is Animus of Predation. So this is four and a green for a four four creature avatar, uh, and it has the text Draft Animus of Predation face up. So that means when you draft it, you're gonna put it face up. And so this is kind of one of the things that Jess was talking about in terms of. You know, this is kind of a casual format because you're you're gonna you do have to trust the people that you're playing with on some of these cards that say like draft so and so face up. Um, so there is there is there is a level of trust involved, which is fine yeah. in a in a casual friendly format format like this. And it's worth mentioning that's not optional. You you right. have to draft it face up. Right. Um. So you draft it face up. Now that it's face up, it actually has an ability that's in the draft that says, as you draft a card, you may remove that, remove it from the draft face up. And then it says in parentheses, those cards aren't in your card pool. So you're basically taking that card and you're, you're, you're putting it in the removed from game zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I gotta stop my, Stop my computer from beeping because it might end up on the on the record. Um, so then, uh, so it says, so as you draft a card, you may remove it from the f- draft face up. Then it has another ability that says, if you removed a creature card with flying from the draft with cards named Animus of Predation, Animus of Predation has flying. The same is true for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Vigilance, and a Partridge in a Pear Tree. Mm-hmm. Um... But not so, shroud. What's that? I said not shroud. Not not goad apparently no. either. Well, that's that's not a that's not an ability. That's not an ability. That's not yeah. That's not um, something like that. But not melee. Melee. Melia. Melia. Melly. Melly. I think it's Melly. I think that's right. Super yeah, Smash Bros. Okay. Melly. Yeah. Yeah. Smash Bros. Melly. So so now let's let's talk. There's there's something a little weird uh, this wording where it says uh, if you removed a creature card with flying. Uh, from the draft with cards named Animus of Predation. Animus of Predation has flying. So basically what this is, this is kind of one of these things where it's like if you're able to draft like two Animuses, Animi, Animus. I, I think that means you have animosity. Animosity, yes, I have animosity yeah. of yeah. Predations. Um, when, you, when you shuffle your deck, you really don't know which, which Animus you are playing so it, the the game just basically says eh all of them which again everyone... you should mark them in sharpie yes you should <laughs> mark them always in sharpie yes always in sharpie always in sharpie permanent marker uh, this one's not too bad cuz you're going to have that little remove from game pile where you can refer back to right. it right 
Right. And actually, and, I think in this one you just cross out the things he doesn't have in the <laughs> list. All right. Yeah, so when you give him, so when you give him flying, cross out all the other ones, and then when it comes time to uh, toss a card with first strike, uh, no, you yeah. cross it out before you start the game. Yeah. Not, oh, not during the draft. Okay. okay. Now, oh. now here's here's a thing to to note that. Uh, you are still drafting that card that you are that you are removing from almost at exiling <laughs> that you're removing from the draft. Okay, you're still picking that card. That's your pick, so you don't get to just like, okay, this is my pick, and I'll go ahead and toss this, you know, bird or whatever to give it to give it flying. Yep. So. Yeah, and since that pick is still your pick, if it had an effect as you drafted it, that effect is still going to happen. Like if if that also also was something you had to draft face up, then you need to turn it face up. I mean it's yeah yeah, but it gets removed. It gets removed from the like is is there, is does that does that have any interactions with with any of the other cards? It's like as you draft no it as you draft it, remove <laughs> it from the draft face up versus drafting it face up. Um, I don't think it does. Because because that's a good point. Well, I don't think so. I'll look it up while you, yeah. being your savant self, talk about the next card. Thank you. Yeah, because it is it's actually removed from the draft, so it's not going to have any other effects. I'm not. I don't. Oh, that's good. I, I hope Brian's going to look it up, but that's really awkward with a card that we're going to get to in a couple minutes. Yes, it is. So. Yeah, uh, I think you and I are thinking of the same card. But all right, let's talk about Arcane Savant. Uh, all right, he's a three-three for five, man, a three blue blue with with sweet art. Like this guy looks like he knows what's up. He does. Uh, <laughs> all right, he's also a human wizard, quite dapper. And so this this is part of a. I don't know if cycles the right word because I think there's only three cards like this. Uh, maybe there's more. I think is it's it a, just is, three, it a, is it a vertical cycle? Is it common, uncommon, rare? No. Oh. <laughs> All right, it says, before you shuffle your deck to start the game, you may reveal this card from your deck and exile an instant or sorcery card you drafted that isn't in your deck. Uh, so that's that's new. So right. before you start the game, before you even shuffle, you haven't drawn a hand or anything, you're like, hey, I'm playing this card. Mm -hmm. What do you get for that? Uh, it has a triggered ability that says, when Arcane Savant enters the battlefield, copy a card you exiled with cards named Arcane Savant, Savant. Savant. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Uh, Arcade Savant. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So uh, basically this is part of that cycle, like I said. It kind of lets you play those off-color bombs you draft, right? You know, you, you're playing a mono-blue deck, but you got a really good red instant or sorcery. Well, this lets you play it, right? It lets you take it out of your sideboard and uh, put it in the exile, exile zone. That's Interesting that it puts him in the exile if you were playing with um, Frexian processors. So, not Frexian, Eldrazi processors. Uh, Ooh. And, and then if you had multiple arcane savants, you can reveal all of them at the start of the game and exile that many incender sorceries. And then when any arcane savant enters the battlefield, you get to choose which of the exiled incense or sorceries you get to copy. That's because all these cards don't like to track one to one what they actually exiled, so they they made them very broad. All right, Jess. Uh, yeah. 
No, I was just I was noticing the interesting templating. Uh, it specifically says cards you exiled with cards named Arcane Savant to yeah. avoid situations where I can cast my opponents, um, which is really kind of fun. Um, yeah. So are we ready to move on to the to the interesting card? Yeah, we are. And hopefully Brian has an answer for us. We'll find out. All right. So this is uh, this is uh, oh yeah is it Archdemon. Or Archdemon. I think it's Archdemon. Really? I'd say Archdemon. Archdemon? We'll go with it. I don't know. Uh, Archdemon of Paliana. Well, it's it's Arch, Arch Nemesis, right? Is it? I don't know the world. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, this is a four-mana creature demon. Oh my goodness, did they finally get the four-mana flying demon right? <laughs> They've been trying this forever. Uh, so this says draft this card face up <laughs> as long as this card is face up during the draft you can't look at booster packs and must draft cards at random after you draft three cards this way that is at random you turn archdemon of paliano face down you may look at cards as you draft them so so you pick a card at random but you still get to look at the pack you don't have to keep the whole pack face down well right. uh, and okay. You look at the card, not the pack. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You you specifically do not look at the pack. You look at yeah. the card. You're right. Yeah. Um, you can, you, once you draft the card, you can look at it. You don't have to put it face down after that. So the question that, that I think CJ had, and I definitely had, is... Um, can you exile with uh, the anim, uh, that uh, Perdition dude? Yeah. Right. So, so, if I, so if I exile this with my Animus of Predation so that my Animus of Predation has flying... And I also choose to draft it face up. Does it just stay face up no. the rest of the draft, and no. I keep drafting stuff randomly? So what's going to happen is, so if you if you decide to pitch this archdemon and looking looking at the other cards, there's there's a pattern. Um, so if you decide for this particular card, if you would decide to pitch it uh, to the uh, the the perdition dude, um, he's he's removed from the draft, and if he's removed from the draft. His text doesn't matter. Number. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's also now here's here's actually where I thought you guys were going, which was I pick my card at random. Can I exile that um, with uh, the animus of perdition? And the answer there, looking at the the other cards, obviously we haven't seen the full comp rules yet. But since you get to look at the card, you know, once you pick the card and say I'm drafting this one, and you pick it up and look at it, if it's a creature, it looks you should be able to. Um, there's a there's a lot of cards that involve, um, uh, you know, if this is face up, then you can do this with the with the card. Um, it, it 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 works out basically because the an, right. the animus uh, exile or not exiles it removes from the draft so basically whatever ties you were creating it just breaks them right up. Right. And one thing we forgot to, or rather I forgot to point out with the the archdemon of Paliano is that if the card you're drafting uh, randomly is a card that's drafted face up, you will still draft it face up. Right, you just picked it. You just picked it at random, but everything else. So let me ask you guys a question: How? Okay, I don't draft a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious. Okay, obviously this isn't this isn't you know pack one, pick one. Oh, how, are you asking it how early it? Yeah, how early does this thing go? Yeah, oh, man. I've been wondering the same thing. So because like the later it gets, the easier pick. Like it gets better and right. better. You know what I mean? Like if this is fifth 
fifth card left in the pack, yeah, obviously you take it. Yeah, snap so, pick that. What, what I didn't mention is that it's a 5-4 with flying for four of Yeah. Them. Like, on its own, it's a 5-4 with flying for four, which is a, a, a really good deal. Um, and the question is, how much are you willing to sacrifice in your deck Yeah. to, to make that pick? And, and I think there are a couple of things to consider here. In addition to just the, the sheer power level of this card, you also want to consider things like, if this isn't pack one, if this is, say, you know, pack two... Or pack three, how open are the colors you're drafting, right? Like if, if you're if you're certain that the next cards coming are gonna be just stacked for you, then the odds are in your favor. Um, yeah. You know, it's, same thing. If, if this card manages to wheel, which I, I actually don't think it ever will, but if this card manages to wheel, you should already know what what's coming in the next packs. Yeah, it really it really shouldn't, because that's the seventh seventh pick seems to be. Is is seventh too early to take? I don't think seventh is too early to take this. No, I don't either. Um, it, it, it depends. Uh, if you know if there are some cards coming that you absolutely want, like so, for example, um, let's say it wheel, it somehow gets to you, right? But you know that it, that that in two packs there's going to be a card probably still in the pack that you're sure you want and need. Then you shouldn't take this card because you'll randomly not get the card you want. But you know, if you if you already know what are in those, you know, seventh pick is good because because even though this is the first time you've seen this card, um, you know the, the the next pack is also random, but the two packs after that you've seen. So if you know there's nothing in those packs you want, this is even better. It there's there's also... a there's a few cards that are like that that draft or like when you pick the, they did some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it should also be mentioned if you're exceptionally cruel and somehow make this the last card in that first pack um, and give it to the person next to you, right? Yeah. They they still have to draft it, and they're going to draft it face up, and then their pack their pack two pick one is going to be at random. Uh, that's also good. I don't know if it's in our list or not, but there's a card. Uh, oh, man. Hey, you know what would be fun? Drafting Conspiracy and also Conspiracy 2. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Because there's a card in Conspiracy that makes everybody give you their last pick. <laughs> oh. so, so if the rest of the table conspires to give them the Archdemon, then their their first three picks from the next pack, just like you were saying, yeah. have to be have to be this random one. Oh man, that'd be sweet. <laughs> All right. Nice. Got ready? him. All right. Uh, so the next card is uh, that we're going to talk about is Caller of the Untamed. For three and a green, it's a 2-4 Elf Shaman. Uh, before you shuffle your deck to start the game... Uh, what? <laughs> before you shuffle your deck... Before you shuffle your deck to start the game, you may reveal this card from your deck and exile a creature you drafted that isn't in your deck. What? Okay, so let's 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 unpack. Uh, well, let's read the second ability. Yeah, well, let's also remind you that I read Arcane Savant while you were researching before you start to act like this card is too crazy. Okay, that's fine. Look, well, man, I'm, you said we already. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm used to you doing things to me, so I just roll with it. Um, okay, so so let's let's talk about let's talk about this. Actually, we're gonna unpack that first ability right there. Um, so before you shuffle your deck to start the game, you may reveal this card from your deck and exile a creature card you drafted that isn't in your deck. So basically, you pull out your 40. Okay, and then you say, so these are my 40. 
Um, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to flip through it, reveal Caller of the Untamed, and now I'm going to grab this other card over to the side, and I'm going to egg that's normally just going to be in my sideboard, and I'm going to put it in the exile zone. Now you ask yourself, why would you want to do that? Yeah, why? Why? Because we have another ability on the, I'm just on letting the card. Just let you go now. Yes. Arcane Savant does the exact same thing. That's the point. You're just explaining everything I explained two cards ago. Oh, was it? I didn't hear any of that. I know, I but you're researching. researching. That's what I just told you. Oh, but see, see, you thought I was trying to troll you with this card. Really, I thought this you card were. I thought you were just like. Me. I thought you were just saying like, oh, well, I had a difficult card, and now nope. you've got a difficult card too, so it's all even now. They all right. The same thing. So is it the same thing? Yeah. So then, whatever, man. Then then I'm done. I'm not even gonna talk about Wait, the second ability. But the the oh, that's the hard part. Oh, the hard part. Okay. <laughs> Well, then, fine. The hard part is X-Tap. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of a card you exiled with cards named Caller of the Untamed. X is the converted mana cost of that card. Now, it's got that weird rule, those weird words that basically say if somehow you get multiple Caller of the Untamed, they can all, all of them can put in tokens of any of the things you exiled with the different Callers of the Untamed. Yeah. Okay, now... Hey CJ, why is it why this seems really weird ability? Why is it just X and tap and X is the converting mana cost? What's what's going yeah. on there? So the reason this card's even in here, because if it happened to me, I feel like it could happen to others, but that ability confused me so much because I thought it was like, okay, you pay X mana, you choose what X is, doesn't matter. Tap, put a token on the battlefield that's copy that card, and then this card would turn the converted mana cost of that token copy into X. So if I put a bear cub That's... onto the battlefield, the CMC of that bear cub copy is going to become zero if I paid zero mana for X. Okay, and I was That's... just like... That's even that makes, worse than I thought. The, that's what I thought, I thought this thought. card did. That's, I was like, that's, that makes no sense. Okay, Why? that's that's not what this card right. does. So let's like, let's actually would, talk about what it really does. You would make so, all your tokens for zero mana. Why so would you? So here's <laughs> what it does. Let's say just you know conspiracy one, an air elemental. It's a nice three blue blue four four blue, flyer blue blue. blue. Okay. Uh, X in that particular case, X is the converted mana cost of that card. That card has a converted mana cost of. Five, so you would pay five generic, or you'd pay five generic mana, and you would then put a token copy of Air Elemental onto the battlefield. You would not pay one and can turn Air Elemental's converted mana cost into put a put a jeez, just pay Listen. one mana for my pay one mana for my four four flyer off color. It took me like 10 minutes. I was like, why are they making cards that change the converted mana cost of other cards? I was like, what is the purpose of that? It does not make sense. Why would a Wookiee live on Endor? <laughs> uh, now, understand, this card got spoiled after the spy card where we talk on later. So they were already messing around with changing things they don't normally change. So. Oh, yeah, that, that thing. <laughs> yeah, I love so that we'll, card. we'll get there. All right. Custody Peacekeeper. Is it? Is it? Custody or is it custody? Man, every card is polyamino <laughs> wherever this place is. It's it's rough. You know what? I I bet I'm gonna nail the next one. <laughs> I just looked. All right, custody <laughs> Pierce, peacekeeper. Reveal custody peacekeeper as you draft it, and note how many cards you've drafted this round, including custody peacekeeper. And then for a white and tap, tap target creature with power less than or equal to the highest number you noted. Four cards named custody peacekeeper. 
So there's a few different cards like this where they ask you to note how many cards you've drafted before taking this one. Um, this is one of those cards that's fantastic to get last pick. So basically what you're looking at is in this pack of cards, how many cards have you drafted, including this guy as you draft? Oh, this gal as you draft her. Um, and write that down. So you note that, uh, just keep it with something. <clears throat> and then if you happen to draft two custody peacekeepers, then the highest number applies to both of them. So what's nice about that is if you take custody peacekeeper like third pick, the number's three, then later on you get one seventh pick, then the number is seven. And it doesn't even matter if that was in, you know, pack three, it was seventh pick. Now the number's seven, and that applies to both of the peacekeepers. So that's pretty good. And then if you gain control of Custody Peacekeeper and you didn't draft any, the number is zero. Uh, I guess this would also be true if you tried to play this in Legacy. The number would also be zero because you didn't draft the Peacekeeper. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next card we're going to talk about is Deadly Designs. Oh, I think that's Deadly. It's a suburb. <laughs> Deadly Dezins. Deadly Dezignans. Dezignans. Dezignans? Deadly Designs. It's an enchantment. It costs one and a black. It has an activated ability that is two generic mana. Uh, it says put a plot counter on Deadly Designs. Any player may activate this ability. When there are five or more plot counters on Deadly Designs, sacrifice it. If you do, destroy up to two target creatures. So, uh, it doesn't matter who puts the last counter on this card. The controller of Deadly Designs gets to choose what the targets are um, when that triggered ability goes on the stack. Um, so, this is actually this is actually interesting for a couple of reasons. One is you don't have to choose anything. So if somebody pays a lot of mana to make it go off early, you could choose not to destroy any cre yeah. creatures. And uh, I feel like if this card was printed ten years ago, it would always destroy two target creatures. Sure. And like even if it was your own creatures. Um, and uh, in addition to that, uh, what's really fun about this is that this gets really political because the. Players will be like, oh, I'll, I'll pay some mana to put a plot counter on that if you kill that other person's creatures. If you kill his creatures or her creatures, then then I'll give I'll put some mana to that. But I'm not going to if uh, if you destroy theirs. And so, like, you'll get into arguments where, where it's about who's going to help you put the most plot counters on this and when. <laughs> I, um, I guess if right after a Wrath of God, too, somebody can just dump ten mana into it and say, blah, <laughs> gone. Uh, I guess. Well, I mean, if you're right. scared of it, if you think that those yeah. the, the creatures are going to be your creatures are the ones getting nuked. Well, you I mean, what's going to end up happening is basically you're going to have one player that has deadly designs, one player that plays some kind of board wipe, and then looks at the other two and goes, "Go, go, go, go." <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I think that's that's pretty much all we have to talk about yeah. with the deadly designs. I wish we saw more. Any player may activate this ability. I guess it's just not interesting, all those Rhystic cards or whatever. Yeah, probably probably so. Yeah. All right. The next one is a mythic named Expropriate uh, that has uh, – it's, it's got a fancy artwork of the elvish little finger on it. Uh, for seven <laughs> blue blue, it is a sorcery. 
It is a council's dilemma. Starting with you, each player votes for time or money. Ooh. Obviously, this is it's a blue sorcery for, for nine mana. Let's see what time or money do. I wonder. I wonder. Hmm. For each time vote, take an extra turn after this one. Jeez. Oh. Huh, there we go. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it, then exile, expropriate. It's just um, any permanent. Yep. Jeez. So is it, is it, well, it says for each money vote, choose a permanent owned by the voter. So it's the voter of money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So, so that means, so that means, oh, that means when you are, when, when someone else cast, so if CJ cast expropriate, I get the choice of giving him an extra turn or giving him my best thing. Yes. That's that's really because what's going to happen is this doesn't target. So uh, it can get things with Hexproof. Uh, I don't know what uh, CJ is going to take with Expropriate until uh, the the ability is resolving. And, and more, more importantly, uh, no matter where you are in the voting scheme, you don't know what – get to know what he's taken from the other people that voted that right. un- until all the votes have been cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's also, uh, there's, there's also a weird thing that says for each vote, choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it. So if there's like a weird situation where, um, like, like I've gained control of one of CJ's permanents, then he can vote for money uh, because he is, uh, he can choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it. So he could take it back from me because he is the owner yeah. and he voted. Yep, this sucks a lot if you get extra votes. Yes. Yeah. Or, geez, if you play that other card that lets you choose how other people vote. Right, before, yeah. I'm, I get, I'm taking four turns, sorry. Yeah, I'm taking four turns. I, uh, well, I'll take this dragon and take three turns. <laughs> <laughs> is probably how that's going to go down. Right. Jeez. Oh, and you play that, the white card that lets you get an extra vote, so it's like, I'm going to yeah. vote for money, I'm going to vote for time and time, and then I don't care what the rest of y'all do. Yeah, this is really fun in that H player 2 HG game. Jeez. Oh, yeah, because... <laughs> so let's just decide, so if I gain an extra, if I'm in a 2 at a giant game, where let's say Biddy Kitty and Battle Cat are, are play this card... Um, and they get an extra, and Bitty Kitty gets an extra turn. Well, Battle Cat's going to take that extra turn with uh, with her as well. So her. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Two HG. Expropriate. Wait, which one are you saying is a her? I don't remember. Bitty Kitty. They're all they're all girls to you. Well, yeah. All Bitty Kitty's are... a her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it bad just all all cats are she's? I don't. Yeah. All I cats are she's. Yeah. I don't really know why. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Grinzo Havoc Razor. He's a legendary creature goblin rogue. All right. Wait, we've seen Grenzo before, haven't we? Yeah, he was in the last set. Okay. All right. He says, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, choose one. Goad, target creature that player controls, or exile the top card of that player's library. Until end of turn, you may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So one thing to note here is this triggers for every creature that deals damage to a combat damage to a player. Every creature you control that deals combat damage to a player. It's not just Grinzo. It's not, you know, every single time, every single individual creature you have will trigger this. So that's pretty sweet. 
Um, the second mode that excels the top card that plays Lagerby, since it says you may cast that card, you cannot play land cards if you exile the top card using that ability. Um, you also, because it says uh, until end of turn you may cast that card, then you get uh, your turn to cast it. You don't have to cast it as the trigger ability resolves. Um, but it also follows all the normal rules for casting a spell. So, for example, you could not cast a creature that was exiled off the top of the library um, during combat or during your instep or anything like that. And if you choose not to cast that top card, then it just remains exiled. Cool. Hmm. Cool. Well. Well. Well, so let's say I've got this Burger King crown. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anybody else to have it. Okay, you would need you would need someone to prevent I, that from I happening. I would need to protect it. Yeah. So I would play my protector of the crown. Oh. Which is a giant soldier. <laughs> and uh, when, when protector of the crown enters the battlefield, I become the monarch. Uh, so even if I don't already have the Burger King crown on, I grab it from somebody else. I put it on. Yep. And all damage that is dealt to me, uh, or the rather that would be dealt to me is dealt to Protector of the Crown instead, which is cool because it's a 2-5, so it can take most of that damage. And it's also cool because it means that I won't lose being the Monarch. Um, yeah. yeah. Because the damage is dealt to Protector of the Crown instead. Yep. Um, so a couple of things about this. First of all, it isn't optional. I can't choose to have some amount dealt to Protector of the Crown and, and some amount dealt to me. Um, unless I control two of them, in which case I can only decide which of the two is getting damage dealt to it. I can't split between the two. I just get to choose one of the two. Because it's all of it, right? Oh, all, yeah. all of it, yeah. It's yeah, just it's all damage. All of it. Um, and uh, if I control a Planeswalker, and I control Protector of the Crown, and somebody tries to cast Lightning Bolt targeting me, uh, I get to choose which of the redirection effects uh, I want to apply first. So if I choose... Uh, the protector first, then the damage is directed to the protector and will not be, they won't be able to redirect it to the planeswalker. If I choose the planeswalker first um, and they choose to redirect it to the planeswalker, then it's dealt to the planeswalker. If I choose the planeswalker redirection effect first and they don't choose the planeswalker, then it just hits protector of the crown still. Yeah. Um, let's see other weird stuff that can happen with this. I have, to, if, I have to look this up every every time, so I'll just ask because I think CJ knows. Do you get to know whether or not the opponent's planning on redirecting the bolt to the planeswalker before you make the decision, or no? No, no. Okay, that's kind of as I'm going to use incorrect terminology, but that's kind of as the replacement re- effect resolves. And I know it's not resolving, but uh, that that's a choice made upon it actually being applied. Whereas right now we're just choosing how to order them. Okay. Yeah, then choosing is actually the effect. So mm-hmm. so I choose which of these effects to apply, and then the effect is they get to choose. Okay. All right. It never comes up, so it's except in questions like this. So I figured yeah. out. Yeah. Never. 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 All right. I, lo- I really, really like this card because it harkens back to, like, Veteran Bodyguard. Like uh, that old two five that did pretty much the same thing minus the monarch stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good old old cards. Okay, this card is uh, Regic Regic Aid. All right, Reggie Regic Regicide 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 Regicide. 
Regicide? Okay. Uh, for one black. Oh, sorry, for black. Um, it is an instant reveal uh, Regicide as you draft it. Uh, the player to your right chooses a color. You choose another color, and then the player to your left chooses a third color. Yeah. What? Okay, destroy destroy target creature that's one or more of the colors chosen as you drafted cards named Regicide. Flavor text, you're done. And it is uh, uh, that new uh, picture of that new Planeswalker stabbing. Kaya. What's that? Kaya. Kaya. Uh, Kaya stabbing uh, uh, Brago. Brago, yeah. V- stabbing Vigo. Uh, Scourge he of Carpathia. Brago. He's Brago. <laughs> Scourge of Carpathia in the neck. Um, okay, so um, colors chosen uh, must all be different. Uh, so uh, that's why it's saying another color and then choosing a third color. Uh, colorless is not a color. Uh, so you're stuck with just your five choices. Um, if you draft two of these, uh, any additional colors chosen will count for both. Yeah. Odds now, are they probably won't make them better for you. Well, they have to remember. Or you can you can make. This, it. They have to card, remember. They have to remember. You don't have to tell them what colors they chose last time. Yeah. Sure. Because this card doesn't stay revealed. So whatever you sharpied on it, they can't see anymore. If nothing else, you can choose a fourth color. And oh, and it's a common. So this this will actually yeah, this come is up very common. often. Yeah. Yeah. So um. You could choose the fourth color. Right. So it's kind of interesting because, yeah, because uh, I'm not going to choose a color I'm drafting. And right. the guy to the guy to your left isn't going to choose a color that he's drafting, which is actually kind of cool because when they make the pods, you might, you know, you're going to be up against, like, you know, probably two or three other players who weren't, you know, uh, uh, that aren't either the person to your right or to the left. So that's actually kind of okay, potentially. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see here. If you have the opportunity to cast this without drafting it, uh, through Grinzo, uh, then you still, was it, you still can't cast it because no cards were chosen for it. Yeah. So also if you tried to play this in legacy would be another, there's, there's literally no legal targets cause there's no colors chosen. Right. So it yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't even... Yeah, you can't have a target or anything. So, you're. Well, what done. about a colorless creature? You're done. You're done. No, it's not a color. Yeah. Colorless is not a color. All right. Let's talk about Sovereign's Realm, which we just alluded to earlier. It is a conspiracy. Yeah, it this says. is the this is the Kaijudo conspiracy. Okay. Uh, it says your deck can't have basic land cards, and your starting hand size is five. And then it also says exile a card from your hand. This turn, you may play basic land cards from outside the game. And finally, it says basic lands you control have tap. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So your starting hand size is five cards, but your pregame procedure is still the exact same. If you mulligan once, you're going to draw right back up to five cards. Uh, and if you mulligan You'll go down to four cards, and only in that case will you get to scry after the mulligan. So I think some people might see this and be like, well, my hand size is five, and the starting hand size is normally seven, so I should be able to scry even if I keep my opening hand. But the the scry rule looks at your hand right now being less than your starting hand size. And in this case, your starting hand size is five. 
Uh, you can still only play one land per turn. So even though you can use that exile a card from your hand ability multiple times in a turn, uh, you're only going to be able to play one basic. Well, you can still o- generally only be able to play one land a turn. There obviously there are effects around that. Um, hmm. So you might be wasting cards in your hand if you try to play more than one land per turn with this. Uh, and now, it, interesting, if you do have an effect that lets you play more than one land a turn, you only have to exile one card to play them. Oh, wow, that's that's true. I didn't even notice that. So, yeah, what, so, you, so, so if you have something, I don't know if there's anything in this set that does that, but if you have something that lets you play more than one land a turn, you can get some, some card advantage off of that with Sovereign's Realm. What's that uh, legacy card that lets you play, like, any number of lands this turn? Fastbond? No. Fast, no, that sounds all right. Is it Fastbond? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Fastbond. Yeah. So there, there's a combo for your cube draft. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like this this is a really high pick in cube. Yeah. Like really high. So Jess touched on the problem earlier here is you have to have, like, you draft, what, 42 cards? 42, yeah. Yeah. So you have to, and one of them's this. So you have yep. to play basically everything you draft. Yep. So if you get if you get the the animus that that get removes your cards from the draft, mm-hmm. don't also get sovereign's realm. Yeah. Because that won't you, work. The number one question I saw on Tabak's Tumblr about this was like, so I you know removed a few cards with animus and I have this. Uh, I can't have a legal deck. What do I do? And the answer is you don't have to play this. Yeah. You don't have to play every conspiracy you draft. So just don't. Right. <laughs> yep. Pretty cool, though. It is cool. Oh, this next one's cool, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> what? The next card. I mean, other, I mean the next card is, is mine, but it is cool. Well, yeah. Segway. <sighs> <laughs> it was. So this is splitting slime. Um, as opposed to spitting slime, which is completely yes. different. So this is splitting slime. It's an ooze for three generic and two green. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three creature, and it has Monstrosity, which is a mechanic we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, its ability costs 4 green-green, Monstrosity 3. Um, so you activate the ability, and if the creature isn't monstrous, it becomes the monarch, I mean, monstrous, <laughs> and you put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Um, and whenever it becomes monstrous, you put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of splitting slime and it, it has reminder text here that tells you that the token has no counters and isn't monstrous so you can continue to make copies of this um th- this does demonstrate how you only copy the printed text of a card and not any effects for example the plus one plus one counters or the fact that it is monstrous um and it it I guess there's monstrous in this monstrosity in this set. Is yeah. that is this the only one, or are there a bunch? No, of no, no, there's a few others. Okay, this is the only interesting one. Yeah, this might be my favorite monstrous card. Yeah, it might be. It's uh, really cool. Yeah, no, mostly this is in here just because I liked it. I'm not gonna All lie, right. and, but I did feel like we had to at least mention monstrosity was in the set. Monstrosity, monstrosity. But I think that's the only like returning mechanic in this set. You know, other than, like, flying. Well, yes. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Brian. 
okay. Tells us about this weird card. Uh, yeah, this this card right here. Uh, uh, I wish I, I wish I'd read ahead to see that I got it because I know there's there's some other some other playable cards that are really awesome playable casual cards. Uh, okay, so Spy Kit. So it's a it's an equipment for two. Um, that's that has an equip cost of two. Uh, so we're expecting something really really cool, like maybe plus two plus two or something like that. So this equipped creature gets plus one plus one. Oh, that's a bit of a letdown. And has all names of non-legendary cards in addition to its name. Non-legendary Ooh. creature cards. Sorry, non-legendary creature <laughs> cards. It so it gets swamp. So yes, yeah, so it gets all names of all non-legendary legendary creatures. So this thing is while it doesn't gain all creature types, it is a mist form ultimus. Ultimatus. <laughs> Ultimatus. Is it Ultimus? I thought it was Ultimus. That is Misform Ultimus. I'm look it up now. Um, so, um, it helps all of your hidden agendas that have you, like, naming a, a, a naming a creature card. Okay, this is going to help all of... All because this, this equipped creature now, whatever it is, it's going to... That hidden agenda is going to help it. Um, now, uh, the creature does not... Because this is le- non-legendary creature cards... It's not like if you have, like, goblin tokens out, it's not going to gain the name Goblin. It is going to gain the name Mons Goblin Raiders, though. Mons's. Mons's Goblins Raiders? <laughs> Goblins. Mons's Goblin Raiders. Yes. It's also probably, if you're playing this with unsets, it's going to gain that name of blank. Sure. <laughs> Which doesn't have a name. No, it wouldn't. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, if you have... Uh, uh, was it two legend? What is this? If if you have two legendary creatures and two spy kits, is that a typo, CJ? Were you talking about legendary creatures? No, 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 it's not. Okay, so if you have two legendary creatures and two spy kits, and you equip both of them with the spy kit, uh, th- uh, then you will only get to keep uh one of the two creatures. Yeah. Yep. The because they both the have names. names. Yeah. Yes. They both have all the names that are the same. Yeah. So. Oh, right. They both have Misform Ultimus as their name, and they're like... Well, they don't, because Misform Ultimus is legendary. Oh, let's, okay, Misform Ultimus. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have Misform Ultimus. Yeah. You just have to be happy with Avon Changeling. But, yes, they would both be Avon Changelings. They would both so be Avon Changelings, and they would die. The legendary rule would kick in. Okay. Um, so there's actually some other, like, crappy cards from, like the early years of magic where it's like, Hey, whenever this creature dies, uh, go get a creature card, uh, from your library that has the same name. Hmm. So, and, and put it on the battlefield or put it in your hand. So these old, uh, 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 crappy cards that just suddenly become casual tutors for anything. If the creature dies, has spy kit on. It's awesome. Yeah. There's also totally. cards like echo and courage, courage, where a target creature and all other creatures with the same name as that creature get plus two, plus two until end of turn. But then there's also cards like Maelstrom Pulse and Detention Sphere. So. Sure. Sure. But why would we look at the cards that hurt you to have right. the same We're name? best case scenario syndrome here. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, are we best case scenario or worst case scenario judging? We're always like all case scenarios. Mm-hmm. We really are. Yeah, we, we really are. are. All right. But yeah. Sometimes we go deep worst case. Like, we deep, deep like things case. that would never happen in a game. Deep case like scenario. Like someone playing Spy Kit. Aww. Aww. <laughs> well, then 
go on to your next one. All right, Summoner's Bond. Uh, this is in here for only one reason, because it has double agenda instead of hidden agenda. And it's what like is double, double breaker. Double breaker? It's, I made another Kaijudo reference. Don't worry about it. Oh, so many. I, can't, I don't get any of them. Is this because we're making Ghostbusters 2 references? Do you not? Are you not familiar with Ghostbusters 2? Uh, well, no, it's actually because uh, Sovereign's Realm actually basically just makes you play Kaijudo, because in Kaijudo yeah. you have a five-card hand, and you can play your cards uh, as mana sources, no matter what they are. Yeah. Oscar! Hey! Ch- <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. What <laughs> a shame. <laughs> All right, Double Agenda. Sorry, that was Ghostbusters 1. Sorry, I went to the wrong Ghostbusters. <laughs> All right, Double Agenda is just like Hidden Agenda, except for where Hidden Agenda, you name one card, and Double Agenda, you name two cards. Beyond that, uh, it works identical. So Summoner's Bond is the only card with Double Agenda, and it says, whenever you cast a creature spell with one of the chosen names, so notice the cast trigger here, so make sure you turn this face up before you actually cast the spell. You may search your library for a creature card with the other chosen name. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I would have called this Best Friends. <laughs> What's interesting here is is these can kind of chain. Like if you have two copies of each creature, you cast the first one, you go get a copy of the other one. Then when you cast that one, you can go get a copy of the first one again. It's kind of like a build-your-own uh, squadron hawk. Except they can't find themselves. That's it. That's it for Double Agenda. So there was one card, and we're going to let Brian talk about it because he was insistent, um, that is in this set but was not – that is not a new card, and that is – well, why don't you tell us, Brian? Okay. Well, I'd rather show you, but that doesn't work so good on a podcast. Yeah. Um, so we're. Uh, I'm going to tell you instead about this little card called Show and Tell. Mm. Um, so Show and Tell is a card that we, we get questions about. Uh, kind of frequently, so or or whenever it's you know frequently in play, which hey in some formats is often. People ask questions about. Um, so it's for two and a blue. It's a sorcery. Each player may put an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Uh, so the specific thing that I want to I want to talk about here is just the process of how that how that works. Um, so what's going to happen is in turn order, uh, you're going to the, the players, you're going to make your choice as to what, what you're going to put on the battlefield. And, and technically you're going to put that face down and everybody's going to make their choice. And then you're going to put them onto the battlefield and certain things that require, um, uh, uh, choices like as it's coming into the battlefield, um, you can make at that time. So like in this set, there's a stunt double. For example, it has flash. It's a clone. Um, so this this is kind of the example that I'm gonna I'm gonna go. It's gonna go around the table. Everyone's gonna make their picks. So you get to pick uh, your stunt. Let's say you're gonna put your stunt double in. Now you don't get to know what anybody else has chosen when you choose your stunt double. Okay. Then uh, everyone's gonna reveal reveal the cards and then put them on the battlefield. Now, there, there's two important things here. Um, with your stunt double, you get knowledge now of what everyone else is putting on the battlefield. Uh, you, so you can use that information to choose what you want your stunt double to be. 
Um, now, one thing to note with Stunt Double is that the creature that you're choosing to copy has to already be on the battlefield. So none of the stuff that's being put out with Show and Tell is, is eligible for being chosen with Stunt Double. But you get to see what everyone else is doing uh, uh, when you make your choice. Is that Was that clear enough? I think so. Okay. Yes. So, so basically, anything, any, any of these cards that you're you're picking, and you don't you don't get to know if it has a choice that's required, like as it enters the battlefield, you actually get to make that choice knowing uh, what uh, what cards people are are going to be putting on the battlefield. Now, you might not necessarily know what other choices people are going to be making after you in turn order, but you get to know whatever what choices everybody before you in turn order made. Like if they're putting their own stunt doubles on the battlefield. All right. All right. Well, if you want to uh, email us about, you know, conspiracy cards or anything in general, please do at judgecast at gmail.com or post on our Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. It's so easy. We don't change our show name like some other random podcast. All right. Hmm. That was, yeah, that was a random. Yeah, what would be gig. the advantage of doing that? Yes, what would? <laughs> have to be a bunch of cards. No, no one uses like the 1920s card anymore. No, no one does. Right. No, no, they don't. All right, well, it's good to know. Probably because it's from the 20s. <laughs> I mean, B Pro might. Yeah. Oh, hey. All right, guys. Well, anything else you want to add? Mm-mm. We have an episode coming out in a month that's going to be pretty exciting. Maybe. Or maybe that episode falls through. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right. Just give me a maybe, guys. All right, my name's CJ Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. And I'm Brian Perlman. I keep the atomic weight of Cobalt at 58. What? Ghostbusters 2 reference. Oh.